New Testament passage comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said of those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown in prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get, to un you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God within us and for the word of God amongst us, thanks, thanks be God. to God. Uh, Yesterday, we went to the park um, on a, a beautiful February day, thanks to global warming. Uh, and we uh, were on one little gazebo, and across from us in another gazebo, kind of, I don't know, 50 yards from us, was a, a dad and, and three kids. And um, uh, all of a sudden, we hear the dad uh, screaming at, at one of the kids, and so it draws all of our attention over to the next gazebo. And uh, we were f farther enough away that you couldn't ha hear every single word that he was saying, but yet he was loud enough uh, so you could get a little glimpse of it and get a, a decent understanding of what was going on. Um, apparently, the little boy had slapped one of his sisters, and uh, dad was obviously uh, upset about it, um, but it uh, was re just really loud, causing a lot of attention going on and on and on. Um, and then he grabbed the boy and uh, gave him a few swats uh, and then uh, let the boy go. And as, as the boy's going, he's yelling at the kid, the boy, and he kind of, the boy walks off crying. And... Uh, it was one of those moments as a parent when you were watching another parent and you go, ah, at least I'm not bad at them. At least I'm a better dad than that. That's what I thought. That was what went through my head. At least I'm not as bad of a dad as that guy. At least I'm a better dad than him. Yeah, I do the same exact thing that that guy did, but I don't do it out in public. <laughs> these little things that make us feel better about ourselves, these comparisons, these low bars that make us and give us the opportunity to say, at least I'm better than that. Jesus did not like when people did this. Jesus did not like systems in which empowered this kind of low bar empowering of self. So in the middle of his sermon, uh, he starts these series of, you've heard it said, but I tell you. The tradition, the scriptures, they say this, but I'm going to take it to the next step. And so don't go around saying, 
Well, at least I didn't murder him. That's not good enough. That's, that's not where you want to be. Jesus is saying, that doesn't count anymore. That's not enough. Don't think that you are better than somebody else just because you are not a murderer. And I think part of it is, where do you think that murderer started? You don't go from zero to murder. It starts with anger. It starts by simply saying, you fool. It starts with insults. And Jesus is putting this hedge around us, this hedge around what it takes to be right and what it takes to be wrong. And he expands it. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is adamantly opposed to any systems that perpetuate elitism. There's, there's no levels to, to ascend to in Christianity. Everybody's at the same playing field. Now, we've, we've come up with our own systems. We've come up with our own levels. But Jesus is, is kind of like Mr. Miyagi when Daniel's son says to him, um, yeah, but how do I get a black belt? For anybody, that's not a recent film that anybody's watched. <laughs> There's this part where Daniel's son is training with Mr. Miyagi and, and Daniel's son sees the other dojo and he sees that these guys get these belts. You start at white belt, then you move to yellow belt, then orange belt, then green belt, then purple belt, then black belt. And so how do I ascend? How do I get to this black belt level? I don't want to be at the white belt level. I want to, I want to ascend. And Mr. Miyagi looks at him like, well, I've got a, I've, you can have this belt here if you want it. It's leather, works great for me. And Jesus is the same way. Don't think that this is some system in which you can ascend to, that, that you can work your way up. That you can be higher than somebody else. Well, I, I look at, out of all this hard work and dedication to following Jesus, now I'm at this level. Now that might be the way of Jesus, but, but Christianity has certainly figured out ways to create levels of elitism amongst the, the traditions. But yet at the same time, Christianity has also created this shaming to, to bring people down. To not let people get too lofty or to think too highly of themselves. To remember their original sin. But I don't think Jesus was about shaming people and getting them lower. Jesus wasn't about shaming people, but instead, Jesus was about creating this sense of humility. There's a difference, right, of when we are shamed and when we are humble. And Jesus' goal for us is to not be shamed and is not to be elitist or holier than thou. But Jesus calls us to humility, just as he called himself to humility. 
And so this, in this effort to keep us humble, it requires reconciliation with one another. And so Jesus comes with this little religious practice for us. Saying anytime you go to the altar to bring a sacrifice, that's not going to last, Jesus. But anytime you go to the altar to bring a sacrifice, and on your way, right before you get to the altar, you have your offering there in hand, and you realize, oh, I got beef with somebody. Leave your offering there and go and work towards reconciliation with that other person. Because in Christianity, reconciliation with one another is primary. Now, reconciliation with God is, is ultimate, but first things first, most importantly, or, most, or primarily, the first thing you should do is make sure that you are reconciled with one another. God can wait. God's good at waiting. God will wait for you. So Jesus says, take your offering and leave it there. And go to bring reconciliation between you and the other. And the other is your accuser. Now, I don't know about you, but any time that I'm in conflict, I am the accuser. This is why we are in conflict, because you did this. And consequently, the person that I'm in conflict with also happens to be the accuser. And they're turning around at me and saying, we are in conflict because you did this. Uh, just last week, I was driving down Palm. I'm in the right-hand lane. I cross over to Shaw, and I'm going to enter in at the, the, uh, the farther entrance to Fig Garden Village, where we will go when we go to Chipotle. So I'm going uh, speed limit on the far right-hand lane, and there's a car right in front of me, and she's slowing down, and it doesn't dawn on me till she's, we're like right next to each other, that she's trying to get into that first entrance into Fig Garden. And all of a sudden, when she's next to me, she slams on her horn, and she starts going at it, to me, pointing her finger, I couldn't hear what she was saying, but... I think I could guess. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, this is my fault? No, this is your fault. You should have been in the right-hand lane. And we're going at it both back and forth through, through our windows. Uh, I'm kind of got a, a snarky look on my face, a nice elitist look on my face. <laughs> and she's chewing me out because I should have been doing this, and I'm thinking she should have done that. But Jesus calls us to take on the posture of the accused. Because it never works out when we are both the accuser. Conflict will perpetuate, conflict will grow, conflict will fester, as long as both of us are accusers. And until we can stop and think, how did I wrong this person? No reconciliation will come. And so go and do that. Take on this humble posture of the accused. 
try and think about the conflict through the other person's perspective. And work things out. Because if you don't work it out, it, it, it's going to be bad. You're going to be in debt to this problem forever. And we see this. We see this when people don't work it out and they end up losing half of everything that they have in a divorce or groups don't work it out. And so you have um, what should be a, a holy land that is being torn apart and torn apart. So take care of that. That's essential. That's primary for Jesus. That's primary in Christianity. Now, once you've got peace in the Middle East, come back. Come back and give your offering, Jesus says. Leave it there, but then come back to it. Now, this is a bit of a silly thing. Because if you would go to bring an offering to the to be sacrificed, and you leave it there, and you go somewhere else, and you come back, that thing has flown off or ran off in the, middle in the meantime. You come back to the temple and go, hey, um, anybody see my, uh, my pigeon? <laughs> Your what? My pigeon, I, I left it here three, three days ago, I had to, it's a long story, but everything's better now. I'm looking for my offering. No, your offering is gone. And that's okay with God. But that offering that you brought, that offering is supposed to be the best. The pick of the litter. You, you grew whatever it was and got it to, the old, to an age old enough that you could bring it as an offering. And you were watching that one. This is the best one. This is the one that I'm going to present. And you bring your best to the altar only to lose your best offering. And I don't know about you, but when we lose what was our best, the thing that we had been growing, developing, working on, and all of a sudden that is gone, it is hard not to be humble. But when we hold on to our best, that thing that keeps us shiny and charismatic and marketable, it's hard not to be it's hard to be humble. We hold on to our best and, and we bring it and we present it. And we present it and we think, surely this is what brings value to me. This is, is what God is looking for in me. My best and my brightest. This discipline that I, I've honed. But apparently God could care less if that which is our best flutters off. Because that's not what brings us value. And so when we can get to the place where we lose the best thing, 
the chiseled stomach, the, the position that was going to get us to advance, when we lose that and we can still be okay, that is humility at its best. This is a horrible analogy and I know it, but it's on here and I'm gonna do it anyways. When I first started eating sushi, I would get the, the roll with the, the dragon roll or the, the naked and famous roll, always a fancy name. I would get that roll with the, the, a lot of things on it and, some, and sauces and it would come and it was delicious. But then, you real, but then I realized after a while, well, this isn't really sushi. This is sriracha and mayonnaise, mostly is what I'm eating. And from there, then I tried nigiri, a, a salmon nigiri. So it's just the, the fish and a little bit of rice and maybe a little wasabi on the rice. And then you start to take the fish and taste the fish. And then I watched that documentary about that, that sushi maker in the subway. And all he does is he just comes up with pieces of fish and he cuts it perfectly. And I thought, oh, well, I wanna, that looks really good. And so you get to that point where you're having sashimi and, and all it is is just the fish. And it doesn't need all these other things, and it doesn't have a fancy name. It's just what it is. Tuna, salmon, yellowtail. That's it, nothing more. It doesn't need anything else. And that's the way that God looks at us. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried thinking about like a, a humble home, like, a, oh, it's a humble home, but it's a beautiful home. I don't know. I, <laughs> but you get the idea. That is what is required of us. That is what we are working towards. When we don't need all of this, degrees, great hair, self-control, no, just me, just you, the way that you are truly known to be. That's what God wants of us. So let's work towards humility. First step is reconciliation with one another. Being okay to deal with confrontation. Being okay to deal with people who are not happy with us. Who don't think that we've got it all together. And then come back. And it doesn't need to be with our best and brightest, great spiritual disciplines, just us showing up and saying, this is me. And that is when God will do amazing things through us and in us. This is the journey. Amen. It is in this, this place that, that we work to try and be that. And hopefully we can create an environment where we make it safe to show up just as we are.
That every day, every Sunday when we walk through this door, anytime we gather at a dinner with one another, that we don't have to be anything else other than ourselves. And so we want to create the space in this environment, but we realize that it doesn't happen on its own. It requires us to give towards it. And so on our table are these baskets, these empty baskets that remind us that unless we put something in these baskets, they will remain empty. Unless we give what we have to this place and this community, it will be empty and it will not be here tomorrow. And so let us stop and let us think about what we can give to this place. How much finances we give to this place, how much we can commit to being here, how we can serve this place. So let's stop and listen to how God is calling us to serve this place, as well as let's stop and listen to how God is calling us to give, those, give to those outside of this place.